0: Hey, welcome once again, to Sell at Iron Dove. Dialogue is the key to reform, access is the key to dialogue. At Iron Dove you can find both. Come on down, talk it up, and let's see what we can figure out. Corn, the most widely produced feed grain in the United States, accounting for more than 90% of the total value and production of feed grains. Around 80 million acres of land are planted to corn. This information is from the United States Department of Agriculture. 50% of the corn grown in the United States is grown in Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Other major growing states include Indiana, Ohio, Wisconsin, South Dakota, Michigan, Missouri, Kansas, and Kentucky. Corn is a major component in many foods. For example, cereal, Snack foods, soft drinks, peanut butter, it's used for making fibers, it's used for vitamins. Corn is used in so many things that you really actually wouldn't expect that it would be used in. Let's see, a few things that you would not expect corn to be in. Cosmetics, cleansers, shoe polish, soft drinks batteries, adhesives, cardboard, crayons, plastic dyes, plywood, paper, antibiotics, and chewing gum. One bushel of corn will give you 1.6 pounds of corn oil, 13.5 pounds gluten feed, livestock feed, poultry feed, and pet food, 2.6 pounds of meal, 32 pounds of starch for adhesives, batteries, cardboard, crayons, degradable plastic dyes, plywood, paper, antibiotics, and chewing gum, or 33 pounds of sweetener, or 2.7 gallons of ethanol alcohol. Motor fuel. During the 1970s, the United States and other countries around the world were thrown into the oil crisis of the 70s. And Interestingly, the United States did not take that opportunity to really investigate and work hard to find alternative fuel sources so that this wouldn't happen again. There are probably many, many reasons, most of which have to do with money that this wasn't done, and when I say money, I don't mean money like we didn't have enough money to investigate new options, but what I mean is money as in corruption and money and politics all live in the same house. So, in any case, during the 1970s, when we were having an energy crisis, because there was an embargo of oil to the United States and other countries from the Middle East, some countries thought that they would do something different. Brazil, for example, converted 40% of their cars to run on 100% ethanol. Ethanol is manufactured by taking corn and fermenting it. For all intents and purposes, you could make fuel, ethanol fuel, for your car in your, your, your backyard with very little equipment. It's kind of like if you've ever watched M.A.S.H. and they make their own alcohol. It's similar to that kind of a thing. Now, you wonder about running a car on ethanol. And, um, and is, is the technology there? Well, sure, of course it's there. Henry Ford designed the 1908 Model T to run on ethanol. And uh, Ford Motors continues to promote their ethanol technology. Many car makers have flex vehicles which are sold in other countries that run on various combinations of ethanol and gasoline or entirely ethanol or in you know entirely gasoline and the the really only difference are some valves and um, some sensors in the in the ignition systems that can be adjusted or or modified so that cars can run on, on ethanol. So making ethanol fuel is something like brewing beer. The technology is cheap, simple, and pretty much proven. And all that one needs to really do is enable people to find the pumps where ethanol is distributed. In the United States, in 2003, it was estimated that we imported nearly 1.3 billion of energy-related petroleum products, which account for approximately 25% of the nearly 500 billion U.S. trade deficit in goods and services. The nation's dependence on oil resulted in our transfer of more than a trillion dollars to oil-producing countries over the last three decades. The transfer of wealth is expected to continue as nation's foreign oil dependency increases. The U.S. Department of Energy estimates that each $1 billion of trade deficit costs the nation 27,000 jobs. I have to repeat that because that is really important to know. The U.S. Department of Energy estimates that $1 billion of trade deficit costs the nation 27,000 jobs. In 2003, the importation of foreign petroleum products cost the nation 3.5 million jobs. That is significant. So what do you suppose it costs us to protect our interests in the Middle East? I wonder. I haven't been able to really find specific information on what we spend on protecting our oil and our oil interests, it's probably anywhere in the range of uh, 50 billion to 200 billion. I mean, who could know, you know, the way that numbers are manipulated and presented, who could really know, but the significant amount of our, annual budget is spent on protecting our oil interests in the Middle East. It's a conundrum. If we have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres of fields that can be planted with corn and other grains, and we know that ethanol is a stable, reliable, Proven technology for production of fuel that can run the vehicles that are now on our roads. The technology was available since 1908 when Henry Ford designed the Model T. As I've said many times before, and I will say again, Who's driving the spaceship here? Who's making these decisions? What sensible person would choose to send money overseas at the cost of American jobs, the cost of American lives, the cost of American security, versus growing corn, in our own fields, in our own backyards, putting our own people to work, providing our own fuel for our security and not bothering other people in other parts of the world who don't want us involved in their lives in the first place. What sensible person makes the choice to be in somebody else's business, in somebody else's country, in somebody else's place, up somebody else's butt? For what purpose? There's only one purpose that could possibly make sense in that kind of a scenario. Money and power. Money and power. And if that's not bad enough, you throw religion in there and it's a complete quagmire. And that's what we've got. We've got a quagmire because there are people who are greedy who are manipulative, who are power hungry, and who refuse to acknowledge the basic facts. And the basic facts are that we have the technology, that we have the land, that we have the scientific and engineering prowess to make this a reality, that it will be good for the environment, that it will create jobs, and that it will stop our reliance on foreign oil, which will stop Certain parts of our involvement in places where people resent Americans, and it can only make us a stronger nation and more secure. So, who's making these decisions? I would love to know. I urge you to write to your congressman, to go on to my homepage, irondub.com, click on Senate. And contact your senator and find out from them. Ask the question, why aren't we developing alternative fuel? If we know we can fuel our cars with ethanol, Brazil has done it. They're they're running 40% of their cars on ethanol, 100% ethanol. Why can't we do it? We grow more corn than anybody in the world. Why aren't we doing this? It's clean. It's renewable. It's cheap. It's simple, it's proven technology, and it creates jobs. It's a no-brainer. It's a win-win all the way around. All the way around. And once we do that, and we develop that technology, and we work towards making it a real, viable, easy substitute, which it is, where people can just drive into a station and fill up with ethanol instead of gasoline, We're a model for other countries around the world to say, hey, we're serious about environmental health. And if we know that this is a viable solution, what are we waiting for? There you go. That's what I found out. And that's what I found out without doing a whole, whole heck of a lot of investigating, let me tell you. Um, There is so much written on ethanol engines. There is so much written on clean burning, renewable, biotechnologies. There is so much available. And it's really just a decision that our government has to make. And the decision is to stop listening to special interests who have Huge amounts of money to manipulate the political process and start listening to the American people who are saying to our representatives, do the right thing. So, anybody out there listening to this, contact your representatives. Tell them that you want them to do the right thing so that our children have a future of clean water and clean air and security and safety and jobs. It's doable. And not only that, it might just turn around and open an avenue for real dialogue with the Middle East Because we no longer are making friends with people there just simply for, what can you give me? Maybe now, without saying, we want your foreign oil, and that's the only reason we're here, we can just dialogue with them and say, hey, we just want to extend a hand in friendship and community and really be part of a united nations community where nobody's trying to take advantage of anybody else. We can grow our own energy, right here, right in this country, and it'll work just fine. So that's what I think. Come on down and let me know what you think. Pop down to the community board, drop me a note, and uh, let me know what you think. I'd really love to know. Till tomorrow, this is Ellen Iron Dove, signing out.